Good morning, Eastside family. <laughs> Can you hear me? Take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 2. Uh, obviously, some of you already got the announcement of children ages 4 years old through 3rd grade. We have junior worship for you, and if you're new and you have a child in that age range, we want to encourage you to take them there if they'd like to go. Also want to make you aware as you're turning to your Bibles in Acts chapter 2 of an important aspect of our worship, that is our, our weekly offering. And we're giving you four different ways to worship God with your offering. You can mail a check to the church address, as many of you do. We appreciate your faithfulness. You can give through an automatic bank draft. Uh, just contact your bank. I think you can even do that online. You can go to our website. We have a box on the homepage. It's real simple. Click on that box, follow the easy instructions. Or for those of you that are with us in person, you can just take your contribution and drop it off at the basket on the way out. Acts chapter 2, we're going to look again at this passage. So I want to start out asking you a question. What do you, what do you look for when you're looking for a church? This is the question that, that Kevin and I were asking the teenagers as we're trying to help launch them on their own. Just a few weeks ago we were talking about this with them. Helping them to develop their own faith and talking to them about the importance of finding a church home. Well, what do, you, what do they look for when they're looking for a church? Well, sadly for too many people, the question isn't, well, what do you look for when you're looking for a church? The question for many is, why would I even look for a church? This is becoming trendier and trendier, as we talked about last week. There's a growing trend, not only among young people, but this is all ages, to no longer see the importance of engaging in a local church. And so we went to Acts chapter 2, and we looked at this passage, and our objective last week was to do one basic thing, to answer the question, why? Why is the church important? Why, what role does it play in my life that's significant? Well, today I want us to ask the question, what? What is the church? Like, or you could say, why? Why are you here? Why, do we, why are we doing this, this church thing? What is the church supposed to be? What, what are we supposed to be looking for when we look for a church? A few days ago, a friend of mine on Facebook posted these words and I think she was posting them for the purpose of, of you know, I'm almost wondering she posted on Sunday I'm thinking she must have been listening to last week's sermon online so if you did um, welcome you'll know who you are in just a minute she, she, um, she asked these questions she said tell me what church means to you that is define church she went on to write I think my understanding of it is shifting. Is your understanding of church shifting? And as you read through the conversations and reply to one person, she wrote in reply to one person that she really believes that there's a shifting perception among so many people about what church is today that this is one of the reasons why we see a, a, a real decline in our nation of those that are involved or engaged in a church family. One person replied to her post, 
that they had been hurt by someone in the church. And so that's the picture they have of the church, a place where they were hurt. And so because of that hurt, they've chosen to, to completely leave or maybe to be a part of it, but or perhaps to, to disengage rather than to take the hard road of reconciliation and forgiveness. One person replied to her post that they had been let down by their church. And so they, their picture of the church, this is a place where people let me down. I remember a lady in the Czech Republic in Central Europe, she said, I want to do, I have nothing to do. She said, I'm not interested in church. I'm not interested in Christianity. And her reason or explanation was because of the crusades, like led by Christians, so-called Christians. When was that like? How many years ago in the 11th and 12th and 13th century? Isn't that crazy? There's a lot of folks that have a picture of church that is a bad picture of church because of something that happened 100 years ago, 200 years ago, or 10 years ago. And they're holding on to that. Sadly, there are a lot of so-called Christians who are painting a really nasty picture of the church. Some will say, well... I'm not into church because church is full of hypocrites. To which the answer could be, well, actually, the church is not full of hypocrites. There's room for one more. You're certainly welcome. (laughs) That's the crazy part about it. We expect of others what we don't expect of ourselves. And so we have an unrealistic, unfair expectation or picture of church. And I'm not trying to make excuses for hypocrisy. But is it true that the church is a place full of hypocrites? Or is it a place full of people like you and me and humans who are broken and hurting? And that's actually why we're here. I think the mistake is to expect us to see the church as a place where everyone has it together and that's a mistake because we all know we all don't have it together that's why we're here that's why we need to be here last week I shared with you that I'm, I'm convinced this pandemic has redefined or how did she put it has has given us a shifted perception in how we view church it's redefined what church is it's something that that I can do that is virtual and in isolation and if I could be honest and I should be shouldn't I in a sermon at least the truth be told and from my observation that the The reasons that I hear from time to time for those not engaging in church aren't really because of the reasons that they give. They give these reasons, but it's really not because of those reasons. It's really because it's no longer that important to them. But you can't can't say that. You don't have the courage say that and so you fabricate reasons that are nothing more than unacceptable excuses to justify a lack of engagement in a local church 
And so while this shifting perception perhaps is, is changing and causing some to have the wrong perception of the church, I think the question, therefore, that my friend asked, and it was a good question, I appreciate the conversation, really isn't, I shouldn't stop, the question shouldn't stop at what does church mean for you? How do you define church? My goodness, we could just go on forever and talking about all our subjective ideas of what we think church should be and church is. The best question is what? What does God mean when he thinks of church? How does he define church? And so here in Acts chapter 2, there's this, there's this beautiful picture we're given of what God intends for church to be. You could call this the prototype. You could call this the model or the example that we are to follow in, in a goal of trying to be the church that God has called us to be. Here we see a picture of a church that is at its inception, that it's at its birth. These are the, the early stages as the church was first getting its start before the people had a chance to mess the church up, which we see in history they did and started turning the church into things God never intended for it to be. That just happens. You have often said the greatest problem we have with the church is it has people. If we didn't have people, then man, we'd have a great church. But we have people broken and imperfect and so it's important that we be reminded not of what do you think church should be what do you think church should be what do you think church should be but be reminded God what is this we're supposed to be about and here we have this incredibly beautiful picture given to us in Acts chapter 2 here in Acts chapter 2, we find the three elements of our church vision to connect and grow and serve, all for the purpose of carrying out our mission of making disciples of all nations. Here in Acts chapter 2, in this picture, we find the fulfillment of what all of us long for. We find what we were created for. We talked about that last week in the creation story where God stated it's not good for man to be alone. You were created for community and this is what that community looks like. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, Eddie, you're preaching to the choir because we're here. Well, not so fast. When I look at this picture of the church, I realize that just because you're here doesn't mean you're experiencing what God truly intends for church to be. There's a lot of folks that are regularly in this building experiencing this event, but it's been a long time since they've been to church, as we see in Scripture. So let's take a look. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. I read that way too fast. That was four really important points right there that could make a four-point sermon series for four weeks. I don't know preachers that do that, though. And you don't either. <laughs> Especially with Jude. They devoted themselves, look at this, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, as I shared with you last week, I'm going to get to tell you up front so you don't leave here going, what was he trying to say? I have three primary objectives in today's sermon. First of all, if you're not in a life group, for you after this lesson is over to come back to that table and sign up for a life group. If you're in a life group, to hunt somebody down that you know that's not in a group and bring them to the table and sign them up. Or to help encourage you to consider to be, to start a life group. I believe our life group ministry is that important. And so because... As you can tell, I mean, I'm trying to embed this picture on your mind. You don't see a pulpit in a church building. You see a home with a gorgeous couch. (laughs) Who has an orange couch? At least that orange. So I want to share. Oh, I had this sermon started. And all these different points. You'll have to do this in your life group of what it means this and what it means this and what the Greek says about this and what theologians say about that. But what I really want to do is I want to really pray that God will get into your heart with this through because life groups are the focus of this lesson to share with you this picture of the church through the lens of our life groups here at Eastside. Two Sunday nights ago, I visited one of our life groups actually I visit different ones I try to do that and I guess there were about 10 to 12 of us and we all sat around this set of tables and in a circle and we shared a wonderful meal together we talked and we got to know one another there was tons of laughter there was tons of enjoyment verse 46 They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. That's church. You know, I don't know if there's a better place to get to know someone. Far better than looking at the back of their head in in a building than sitting at a table over a meal. This past Sunday night, I was at another small group. It was our, our youth group small group and I sat and shared a meal next to Kendi Mello and I'm telling you if um, these guys are waving back thank you for waving at me there fellas um, if, if it were just me and Kendi coming here at 1010 to a service here we wouldn't know each other but do you know Kendi she's incredibly fun an incredibly awesome individual and when we're sitting in a circle in our youth group small groups talking about the scriptures what an encouragement to hear what she has to say about scripture that's that's how I know Emma and Tessa I wouldn't know Emma and Tessa except for the fact I shared a meal with them that's why Aiden and Spencer are such good friends I was at a small group for our young people I'll just brag on them we had an incredible 
group this morning in class. I'll just brag on them. I was at a small group with our teens, and they were actually playing a great game, a group game. There was one individual over here that wasn't playing the game. She was sitting over here by herself with her head uh, looking down at the ground, and one of our members, Addie, walked away from the group and just spent the rest of the time talking with that individual. That's, that's church. I, I, I stood in the portico, this little exit place here, whatever you want to call it, and, and Dee was, was walking out, and I, I met Dee for the first time. She's a neighbor from across the street who's recently been coming here. Though I met her for the first time, there are a number of you in your small group that had not met her for the first time. She was actually on her way to eat lunch with a group of you. And then I also talked to Betty, someone who was recently baptized here, Betty, who's Bill's sister. She was actually had been invited by the same small group, and she was going to eat lunch with them as well. This is, this is church. Verse 42, they were devoted to fellowship. And that's that fancy word you've heard, koinonia. It's not being devoted simply to coming to a building, but they were devoted to sharing life together. And it says they were devoted to the breaking of bread, which I believe really means two things from, from what I understand in the history of the early church. They were devoted to, to eating together. We love that. But it also incorporated the Lord's Supper. So it was both of those. And so Joe Reeves, I don't know if I see you. Everybody has their own typical places. I know where to look. Joe shared last week what a great thing it would be for our life groups, our small groups, to, to share in communion together. So after the meal with this group I started out with, where we all sat in a circle and were talking, after the meal, the one that was facilitating our group asked us to open our Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3. Now, he didn't have a sermon prepared. I had a little piece of paper with a little few things jotted down there. He hardly had any notes at all. And I, I'm saying that because I don't want you to be intimidated about being a life group leader. We're not asking for preachers. As a matter of fact, you know the worst life group leaders are preachers. Because nobody wants to talk. They just, they're just going to listen and let this guy ramble on and on. Worst, worst life group leaders there are. Listen, if, if you can be somewhat friendly. If you can be somewhat caring. And if you can read, you qualify to be a life group leader. And if you can't read, you can fake it and say, let's have someone read that text for today. <laughs> and so this guy actually could read. And he, he would read a couple of verses out of 2 Peter chapter 3. And then we would talk about what God is telling us in that passage. We'd go and just everybody would share. Then we'd ask questions about that passage. And then we would go on to the next two or three verses. In verse 42, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. That's church. And I believe when it, when it and, and I had so much, I was going to say probably 10 minutes of what that means. It basically means this, they were devoted to the word of God. Their fellowship was much deeper than superficial, casual chat. It was centered around and devoted to the nourishment of God's word. So that's what we were doing. And then after our, our time of reading and discussing God's word, we went into a time of prayer. And there was one individual who was there who was single and who recently placed membership. I guess I shouldn't have said that, so now I'm narrowing it down, aren't I? Um, who placed membership some time ago? Um, 
and he shared a, a burden that he was carrying on his heart. And so we, we, we prayed for him. Now, if I mentioned to you his name, I'm going to guess 80% of you would go, who? Except for his life group. Oh, they know him. They know him well. As a matter of fact, that very afternoon, he had been hiking in Palmer Park with one of the members of his life group. See, he could easily come here, do the church thing, and leave, not knowing anyone, no one knowing him, and carry with him when he leaves that burden alone. But he's found church, koinonia, sharing life together. Another couple in the group share a burden they're caring for. Oh, let me say this way. I told you that guy was single. Don't let single, being single, say, oh, I'm single and they're all married. I can't be a part of that group. This person was just as much a part of that group as anyone. We, we, we're not wanting, okay, all you people are just like this together. All you people are just like this together. We're one body of Christ, regardless of whether you have children, don't have children, regardless of whether you're single, regardless of whether you're 5, 15, or 95, regardless of whether you make $500,000 a year or $5,000 a year. You, you, you need community. Another couple shared that their mother was in the ICU. Another couple shared a burden that they're caring for their, for their child and so on. And then we, we just in that little circle, we, we prayed for one another. Then the next day, I'm on their email list for their group. An email went out with a, with a prayer list of needs in their groups. And the idea for the prayer list is so they can all be praying for one another. It's right here in verse 42. They devoted themselves to prayer. We read in verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Now, now when I left that group, I didn't see someone part the Red Sea. I didn't see someone walk on water. But I'm telling you, when I left that night, I felt like I was in awe that I had been in the presence of God and his people. And I said to myself, this is it. This, that's, this is church. A few weeks ago here, we had a memorial service for Lowell Anderson. And you know, I noticed that they were over there in that corner. I noticed that it was the members of Lowell's life group who came early and stayed late to set up tables and to prepare the meal. They called themselves not a life group. They called themselves the end of life group because most of them are near the end of life group. They're, they're older. Now, while that's a funny name, it's really appropriate because they are devoted to one another literally to the end. That's devotion. One of their life group members who's no longer here, Eldon Wright, who lost his wife, Pat. I watched how their life group surrounded him. And now Eldon lives... Eldon, I think he's with us today. I can't remember. I'm sorry. I think in Broomfield, north of Denver. And one of his life group members, Joe. Good, Joe's not here. I'll talk about him. Um, see, that's, that's what happens when you don't show up. Uh, Joe calls Eldon regularly just to see how he's doing. A few weeks ago, Joe could have said, you know, Broomfield? Seriously? I'm too old to be driving to Broomfield. He got in his car. Listen, anybody that will drive on I-25 
for you, count them as your dear friend. I mean, I cannot, if, if I'll drive on I-25 for you, Eddie must love me because I can't stand that corridor. I cannot stand it. But he did more than that. He drove I-25 corridor to Denver. Then he went through the heavy traffic in Denver to North Denver. He visited and prayed with Eldon. And then he got in his car and he drove back through the heavy traffic during rush hour and back on I-25. That's not a friendship. That is devotion. That's the word that's here in this text. That is a, that is a relationship, a friendship that was forged in community, in a small group. We read in verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property. I mean, this is incredible, radical. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. This church was devoted to caring for one another. Two of our members who were likely with us on live stream but are not here today um, Kathy Harrington has been incredibly sick now some of you are going Kathy Harrington who's she her life group knows who she is Jan Knoll who's she her life group knows who she is Jan fell and injured herself Jan and Kathy were in the hospital and their small group has just been incredible support and encouragement to them through this had Jan and Kathy not been in a small group we probably would not even have known that they were in the hospital possibly this church was marked by and devoted to caring for one another. They were marked by sacrificial service. I was, I was visiting with, um, oh, he's not here either. Okay, I'll talk about him. I was, I was visiting the other day with Bill and Robin Smith, a new couple to Eastside. And, and Bill told me how he had actually invited one of his neighbors to come to, uh, to visit our Eastside family. And describing in describing our church to him, he said these words. He says, we're, referring to Robin and Bill, we're working up here at this church on Flint Ridge called Eastside. And I love the way he said, we're working at this church at Eastside. He's not coming here to be a consumer. He's coming to be a contributor. He's coming to give and to serve. That's church. That's church. Every day, Monday through Friday, a, a group of Eastside men get together for lunch at, at Bryce Gates' house. And they, they, they started out doing this because of the pandemic. And you know, the verse 46 we read, every day they continue to meet together. And these guys, they take that literally. And they, they, they started out meeting at Bryce's house because the pandemic closed down the different places where they would go to every day. So they're eating on the back porch and then Lavora became very ill. And so they were going there for Bryce's sake because it was hard for Bryce to leave. And Lavora passed away and they're still going there just to encourage and be by Bryce's side. They call themselves, maybe you know, Romeo, which stands for retired old men eating out or you could say just really old men eating out and they'll let you if you're younger they might let you visit they let me visit one day I was there eating lunch with them and I noticed how one individual after he finished eating lunch he didn't say anything he just got up and walked outside the next thing I know he's, he's cutting Bryce's um, backyard he's cutting his grass because Bryce had had pretty serious foot surgery and was unable to do it. The same person actually, I know for a fact, had cut 
there's Rosemary. He'd cut Rosemary Locksman's yard because a member of Romeo's sweet Elton had passed away. This person had cut her yard. As a matter of fact, in the process of cutting her yard, cut off a portion of two of his fingers. And if you shake his hand, you'll know who I'm talking about. That's just kind of awkward. The other day I came home. For me, it was late. <laughs> and I was tired. And I was hungry. And I told Karen earlier that day, I know you're not, she wasn't feeling well. I know you're not feeling well. Just go to bed. Don't worry about me. And she took me for my word. <laughs> she really wasn't feeling well. But there was this big bowl of chili and, and cornbread there at the house. It's because there was somebody in Karen's small group who knew she wasn't feeling well. And so they brought chili and cornbread. A mother with three little children who has absolutely no time to do that but did. That's, that's church. There, there's one group I visit and whenever I visit this group they always, they always sing and praise God together before they study scripture. Last week I was at the Cornwell's house and, um, with the youth group and Phil and Rachel led the young people in our group, in a time of singing. We read about that in, in, in verse 7 of this early church. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And I could just keep going. I, I'm full of these stories. This passage closes this picture of the church with these words. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved there was growth because these elements just created the fertile soil of community for growth this is this is how you connect this is how you grow this is how you you serve in the process of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ this is what you were created for so what does church mean for you how, do, how would you define it? This is what church means to God and what He wants for you. And while we read in this passage that they met in larger gatherings, actually met, it says in the temple courts, and that was like 45 acres in this temple area, so you get a large crowd in there. So they had large gatherings like we do. It says they also met in smaller groups and homes where they experienced authentic Christian community, church. So how do you respond to today's lesson? Don't come forward. Go backwards in that direction. Bring somebody with you. Start a group. Join a group. Invite someone to a group. But we want this to be authentic church, don't we? A place where we're devoted to one another. A place where we're devoted to prayer. And so I'm in a moment going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to, I'm going to enter us into a prayer. And the praise team is going to continue us in that prayer. And I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you to be church. 
Let's move around. Let's, let's go to someone. There's a lot of hurting people carrying burdens this morning. If you're one of those, reach out to somebody. Our shepherd, Bob, and his wife, Jamie, just stepped out in the foria. They'd love to pray with you. Our prayer room is open around the corner. Where are other shepherds that are with us this morning? We have Ted, who is here. We have Alan, who is here. Welcome back. And we have Tim. It must be in the prayer room. So I don't have enough elders in here to cover all the needs. And so I want to encourage you to go pray with someone. Go hug someone. Let's, st- let's stand together and go into this time of prayer. Father, we thank you for this reminder. For most of us, or I guess I'd say just for a lot of us, this is not like a passage that we've never heard before, but we need to be taken back to this again and again and again because we can just lose sight of what you want us to be as your people, as your church, and we can redefine and become something so foreign and so different. We thank you that you died for us and brought us together as your body, as your family. And we pray that these words that we've looked at here in Acts chapter 2 will be more than words on a page, but they will be words that you will transfer from our heads to our hearts and to our hands with actions. We come before you as your people in prayer now. In Jesus' name. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.